It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.tv or check them on Twitter at ClipItTV. Fifth Squad, Next Level, BGN Radio, let's go. Welcome to the Next Level, the Crim de la Crim, Sharon Davenport, Barrett Brooks, linked with BGN. Next Level Boys breaking down the game of the podcast, out, but they not the same. TD the fly one, keep the suits and the wingtips. Honest opinions from the Gibsons to the Winces. I'm left-handed, Barrett Brooks got my blind side. Super Bowl winner, see the game from a champ size. Route concepts down, the techniques in the trenches. You want to learn football? And tune in and listen BGN Radio Next Level Podcast You thinking about discussing the Eagles? Better stop that From senior bowl workouts to the draft Down to training camp Breakdowns are all 22 They the best at that Special insights giving sight to the blind So sit down, push play And when they done, rewind Next Level Welcome back to another edition of the Next Level Podcast. I'm Teron Davenport at Davenport underscore NFL, and I'm here with my teammate, the man making it happen up front, opening the lane so I could run through, Barrett Brooks. What's that's up, Barrett? Chillin', man. That's at Brooks 72 csn Make sure you check him out. So let's just get right into it. I think really the main thing that we need to look at is – the running backs. Oh no! That's question. that's something. Yes. 
I just I I don't know. Somehow Bo Jackson has been acquired, and you know he was available as an undrafted free agent, and now we want to talk about guys like Wendell Smallwood being released, guys like Danell Pumphrey being on the roster bubble, and Legarrette Blunt also. So let's go right to the running backs. What have you seen from the 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 group so far, specifically yesterday? Well. And- just to be honest, we're talking about the let's talk about the young guys, and I just don't see a, a perfect world right now with with that that fourth running back. I mean, if you look at it, Clembus has played his way onto the roster, and Pumphreys has inherited that way onto the roster. And I mean, that's you know, that's, that's, that just comes with football, you know. And you have a guy that you know didn't get an opportunity to get drafted. Well, he had an opportunity to get drafted. He didn't get drafted in, in Corey Clement. But then you also have Donnell Pumphreys is a guy that he's that good of a player. He's that much of a factor. And whatever, all the things he brings to the table put the Eagles in a position like we really have to go out there and really evaluate, can we sneak one of these guys on the practice squad? And at this point, no, you can't. If either one of these guys get put on the practice squad, they'll be snatched up. No question. See, for me, I think Clement could be put onto the practice squad because – I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen anything to – to. Now, I'm not saying he hasn't played well. He's played well. But I haven't seen anything to make a GM say, hey, you know what, I have to have that guy. I have to release this person and have him on the team. To me, when I look at Corey Clement, and this is no knock on him, but what he gives you, there's 20 to 40 other running backs that are going to be available that could give you the same thing. But when I look at Danell Pumphrey – and you saw it yesterday. You saw him start to to be able to get into a rhythm, show that he's a guy that, that could be that volume running back if you want to give him that. But more importantly, you look at those five catches, 37 yards. Two of them came on third down, and you saw the way they put him in the slot and let him run that choice route. He, he ran an outbreaking route, caught that for a first down, and then he caught it out the backfield for another first down. I think what Pumphrey gives you is a different skill set. And that's something that you can't just get from these other guys who are going to be street free agents in a couple of weeks. So for me, when I look at the two, I think Pumphrey is the one that is going to make it. Now, I will say this. I will. I don't think Pumphrey is going to be activated most of the games. I think he's going to be on the roster, but he's not going to be on the active, active you know, yeah, uh, on be, game yeah, day. Yeah, he won't be on the, on the 45, 46-man roster, game day roster. He won't be that guy that's going to dress because you still have Sproles, but he is the heir apparent to a guy that's probably going to be in, in in get a gold jacket. You know, Sproles is that type of player. He's a dynamic player. You really can't put him in a category as far as running back, as far as being just a special teams guy, or the fact that he can play receiver also. Um, if if you look at Pumphreys, my only, you know, my only pick with him at this point that he just not ready physically to be in with the big boys. And I think that's the only thing. Talent, he has all the talent in the world. But to think that he can go out there and play at the weight he is, at the, at the statue he is right now, I, I just can't see it at this point. You know, he's going to have to take at least a year, a year and a half of his body to really mature into an NFL workhorse type of body. It took Sproles a little bit, but Sproles eventually turned into a little rock, a little muscle. I don't know if Pumphreys has that same frame that he can put on like that. At this point, I don't see him doing it. If they leave him 
at the slot and don't run him as a running back, yes, I can see it, but it kind of puts him in pigeonholes him into one place. Mm. And that's just my only, my only, you know, not not even really a negative because it's still a positive because he has so many different options that you can put this guy. But a guy like Corey Clement's going to end up on a team like New England and become a featured back, a back that's going to, you know, have that chip on his shoulder. Kind of like everybody, you know, the Deion Lewis <laughs> right now yeah, yeah. with his system right now. I can see that happening and him going out and we like, you know, yeah, I told you guys so. You guys should have kept me. And I'm going to tell you the truth. That's one of Deuce's, you know, that's one of Deuce's projects. That's one of Deuce's guys. Deuce enjoys coaching this guy. And everything that Deuce has brought to the table for him to do, he's taken and, and, and ate it up. He's went out there and executed the way he's supposed to. We didn't know if he could catch out the backfield. You see he can do that. He's dynamic in that now. He can run the ball in between the tackles. He has enough speed to run the ball outside. He's probably one of the, you know, uh, as far as being a pure runner on this team, he's probably second behind Smallwood. Now, Smallwood showed everybody, okay, then, you guys think that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not that guy. Let me let me, let me me let you guys know I'm that dude. Yeah, yeah. I'm that dude. You it's different. It's different when he's in the game. It's, no it's so different because – He's slow to the hole, but he explodes to that thing. Yes, he does. And I like how how he runs with power too. You yes. know, he's not the biggest guy, but he runs with power, and it's just a different sense of urgency when he has the ball from anyone else on 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 the team, running back wise. Legarrette Blunt did have a nice nice carry uh, yesterday, but you know, I I agree with you on on uh, Smallwood. It's just when I look at Pumphrey, I don't look at him as much as like a Sproles. I, I think he's. I mean, I could see the the roles being similar, yeah. but you're right. The body types are different. Uh, Donnell told me that he's uh, 183 right now, mm-hmm. and he he was 188. He he was sick and lost some weight when he and also you know what training camp does to you. So he he lost you know some some weight through all of that, but he's at 183 now. For me, when I watch him, you know I understand that the size is, is not there, but for the most part. Except when Matt McGloin served him on a platter to the defenders, <laughs> he's not really taking a lot of hits. Well, he will. That's the thing is, you know, in the NFL, he will take those hits. You when you have, you know, people don't understand from going from the college level, you might have maybe three or four All Americans on the team. When you get to the NFL, everybody's an All American. Yeah, yeah. Everybody can play. Everybody can run. Everybody's just as fast as he is, and that's the difference between being in the NFL and being in college. Now, I will say this. Athletically, he's good, but I don't see the blazing speed that I see with Sproles. I don't see the the, the, the he's quick. Yes, he's cat quick, mm-hmm. but I thought he was a lot faster and would play a lot faster. Well, it probably will come with age and him and experience and the fact that he can be out there and, and, and play in between, uh, you know, receiver and running back in the slot. You know, I mean, I can see that happening. But at this point, I don't see the blazing speed. And, you know, he might be accustomed to that later on. Yeah, he's not your straight-line guy, but the quickness, as you mentioned, is definitely his his strong suit. When I watch him, and if you go back and watch him, and Kyle, I know you've watched him a lot, and, and I'm sure you could attest to this. He's one of those guys that he'll just he'll get you five yards here, four yards, six yards, 26, five. You know, he's that type of running back. And it's funny because – the the type of running back that he is, his frame doesn't really 
it, it, it doesn't really fit that. You know what I mean? So exactly. I understand what you're saying there. I just want to see how this thing works out because I, I know this kid has a lot of ability, but I, I just it, it's I, I I'm sorry I, I don't see it from from Corey Clement the way these I mean there's there's I just Marcus Dupree Herschel Walker Bo Jackson all rolled up into one and I'm just not seeing that from Corey Clement and I understand fans people like I mean this is a city that put a statue up for Rocky you know so clearly. The underdog is is something that that people here like, but I just think there's a little bit too much enthusiasm with Corey Clement, and I just I don't see him as a guy that just can't miss. I cannot afford to not have him on the roster. That's that's the way I look at it. You know, and I mean I understand that, but I just can't. You know, I I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this. I'm gonna say this now. It's gonna be a lot of a told you so's when it comes to. This kid, a lot of I told you so, because he did everything possible to show that he belongs on this team. And you know, you know, speaking more on on, you know, a guy like Pumphreys, and who I would compare him to is is an Eric Metcalf type of player. Mm, mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same build, same height. I mean, how, how tall is how tall is um, um, uh, Pumphreys? Pumphreys five nine. So he's five nine. Eric Metcalf's five ten. Played yeah. it. 188 pounds, even when he was with Cleveland, and he was a he was a dynamic runner, also a dynamic player. They, in fact, at that point, the league didn't have anything to really to really compare him to, or or they didn't know how to use him either. Coming out of Texas, he was a you know a, a dual threaded receiver, and they played him at receiver yeah. and running back. Yeah. You know, so that's the first of and his the kind. return too. Exactly. So that's the first of his kind. You know, a fan, I'm telling you. If you look back and go look at old film on Eric Metcalf, watch how dynamic this guy. Watch how fast, and that's the biggest thing—the difference between the two. Eric is a little faster than Pumphreys at this point. He played a little faster. Put it like he played a little faster than Pumphreys at this point. I think it, it's going to take time, though. You, you yeah. know. Yeah. And he told me yesterday when I talked to him, he he said that the speed of the game is something that he still has to adjust to. Yeah. So it, it's it's going to take time, but I think Pumphrey in the long run. I think Pumphrey would be the one that have has a better, a more productive career than than Corey Clement. But we'll see. And it's really good to to be in this situation for this team, yes. to where they have two guys that you could make a legitimate argument for not only being on the roster but eventually having a, a pretty productive career. I love that you mentioned Eric Metcalf. That's probably the best comparison that 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 I've heard with him you know I, I I've seen the work done comparison and I definitely agree with that but I like the Metcalf and if you watch Metcalf when he was with the Falcons man with Jeff George and, yes. and Tony Martin yes sir yes sir. that was that was a ridiculous uh team with Terrence Mathis as well so I pick I, your poison on that exactly and and, and if you notice he worked in the slot a lot so yes. that's something that you could definitely see and it'll be interesting seeing how that plays out um Byron Marshall is another one that, that we can't overlook. He's a guy that has receiver background, running back background, another dual threat type of guy. And that's what he did at Oregon. Exactly, 1,000 yards receiving, 1,000 yards rushing, two separate seasons. So as far as Smallwood, or not Smallwood, but Marshall and his chances of making a roster, where do you put him? I just can't see him being on this roster at this point. You know, you could see – with how the reps are being divvied up, that Corey Clement has jumped ahead of him. Pumphrey was already ahead of him. 
you know, with their plans with the pony um, package and things of that nature. It's just, you know, just not enough, not enough roster spots for him to make it. And, and, you know, he'll pick, he'll hook on somewhere because he's that good of an athlete, you know, and they'll try to sneak him on the practice squad, I think, you know, for, you know, if, if, you know, they do want to put, you know, Corey Clement on the practice squad, you know, it'll be between them two and, it's just going to be a tough situation, a really, really tough situation, you know. And and, and I hate to be, you know, the GM at this point mm. and making that decision. You have a guy that can play right now, as a guy, as opposed to a guy that's more of a future type of guy. And that's the biggest situation. It's not really what they bring to the table, the athletic talent or anything like that. I think it's more so when it comes to Clement and Pumphreys. It's more so all right, who can help us now? But who has the bigger future? It's almost like you burn a hand. Is it worth two in the bush? But can this two in the bush be that dynamic that we can? All right, we can hide him, or we he has to be on our team, taking a roster spot. And that's a huge decision yeah. that they're going to have to make. Corey Clement is right now ready to get some downs in the NFL, but I don't think Pumphrey at this point is ready to go in and take solid downs in the NFL. He's he's ready to. Take them in a variety of ways. I think more. Uh, Clement is definitely more ready as a traditional running back. Yes, yes. But you know, if you could fulfill two or three roster spots with one guy, the more you can do. That guy has more value, bro. I prolonged my career <laughs> an extra four years because I could play guard, center, and tackle. I was with the Steelers not because I was the best athlete in the world, not because I was the fastest, biggest, strongest guy. I may have been the prettiest, but I'm going to tell you this. I could play everything. I actually played every single position. I played guard, center, and tackle in one game before against mm. Cleveland. Mm. I started at left tackle. The left guard got hurt. I moved in. They brought in a guy to play tackle, and I was playing guard. The starting center got hurt. The tackle that was out, um, the guard that was out there, was good enough to play. He came back in and hobbled. I went to center, and they left the tackle out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it was crazy how, you know, that, that game went. But I ended up playing. You know, and another reason they liked me, because they didn't have to dress two offensive linemen. Usually right. on, on, on the game day roster, you get 46 guys, either 45 or 46 guys on the game day roster, not the full 53. So a, a coach has to think, all right, what, what do I need the most? Is there a, a, a linebacker that's hobbling that we have to bring in another linebacker or is there a receiver we need another receiver or defense back? Whatever it is, position is, we got to bring an extra one in and dress an extra guy. Well, with me, they had the ability to dress me knowing I could play guard, center, and tackle, which made my value in the league go up. Well, the same thing with Pumphreys. Pumphreys could play slot, running back, wing, and special teams. Correct. So the more you can do – the longer you stay around, bro. And I think that's what adds to his value. And yeah. I think that's what makes him NFL ready, so to speak. And you, you look, punt return. I think he's roster ready, not NFL ready. I don't think he's ready to take that step and play. When them lights come on. Not even in the slot. Ooh, really? Ooh, Interesting. Ooh, I, I, I'm going to have to disagree. I think he is ready on, on that side of things. But, I mean, look, it remains to be seen. It's going to be interesting how the whole thing works out. We didn't really talk about LeGarrette Blunt, but it was definitely good to see LeGarrette Blunt actually get some blocking up front. And it was a travesty on how people dogged him out like that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? 
oh, this he's doing that. You know, this is Bunt is a guy. He's gonna need a couple carries to get him going anyway. He needs to find holes, and it has to be in between the tackles. Period. Point blank. He's not running outside. He never could run outside, even when his rookie year, his first two years in the league, when he was as fast as he was and and and, and as big as strong as he was. He never was a guy that ran outside. He's a guy that runs in between the tackles. He's that's his best. That's his strong suit. But I think with his vision, he he can run outside. And and I I saw a couple runs where he he ran outside. There was one where he banged it inside, but he he bounced it outside. You know, with a nice cutback. I, I think when people look at Blunt, they get so caught up in the two forty five, two fifty, and want him to run like a crash test dummy. And for me, <laughs> I'd rather see him use his vision, use his cuts. And you actually had a good a good clip that that you showed uh, last night. You know where he he got the the block. He he was able to get through the hole, and he made that cut real quick towards the end of the run to make that defender miss. I like Blunt as far as doing anything. Now, am I the guy that would run him on on sweeps ten times a game? No, but would I definitely give a different look? You know, working that outside zone and allowing him to use that vision and cutback ability for sure. I but, wouldn't do that, man. I'm, I mean, this is why I differ because you have guys that are better suited to run those type of plays. You know, that's like to me. My version of that is I had Ricky Waters, my rookie. Well, my first, you know, four years in the league, I had Ricky Waters and I had Charlie Garner, mm-hmm. and it got to a point where it was almost asinine on how you know Ricky started thinking and 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 Charlie started thinking because. Both of them ran plays that were more suited to them, and they were successful with it. And we had John Gruden as our offensive coordinator. So we run got things like 17 power, 15 power. And, you know, Ricky Waters, he'd get five here, nine here, seven here, six here, nine here, and he'd have 100, 120 yards. But in the game, he's like, how come you guys aren't blocking for me? And the reason he said that because he had Charlie Garner. Charlie Garner going there, all right, he'll pop nine yards. Then he'll be a minus two. But then he'll hit you for 44 mm-hmm, touchdown. Mm-hmm. So it looks like he's got the, you know, he's having a better game because he has longer runs. But him, Charlie's technique was all right, bruh, you ain't even got to block him nowhere. Just have your body on his body. And I can play right. He needed he needed a a, a pin's head worth of worth of worth of um room to get through the hole. And he would get through it and bust through it. He was faster to the hole. But Char- I mean, uh, Ricky Waters was a guy that's gonna pound you. Yeah. He was gonna hit you in the mouth. Going downhill, he was the bigger backs. So we ran plays more suited to him, but he wanted to, he wanted to run nineteen bob, eighteen bob. When you have two guards pulling on the outside, and you have Charlie Garner getting just that little bit of a crack and taking it for forty yards, but he just didn't. Um, he wasn't well suited. He could run it, like you said, he could run it. And Blunt probably could run those plays too, but he wasn't as successful as he was in running power plays and inside zone plays where he can he can read the blocks and then cut it up in the middle. You know. That's what he was better suited to do. So I understand what you're saying about Blunt, but I just don't think that, you know, it's smart to run him out there. Yeah, don't get me wrong. He's best when running between the tackles. No I, mean, I don't think there's any dispute in that. I just, looking at it, I would rather see them give a different look from time to time. Because it's going to, this whole thing with the running game, I, I want to see how it works. You yeah. know, I want to see if they're going to stick to it, if they're going to pound it. Because you know what happens once you start running the ball and you have a guy like Blunt who just, as the game wears on, and you have big guys like you up front just wear, weighing down we love on that. the – Yeah, you. that's right. You want to go shoe to shoe, 
and just mano y mano, and I'm going to move you back, and we're going to reset the line a little bit further down the field, and, and then we'll take the snap again yep. and reset it and keep working the way down. So what are they going to do? You're going to get eight in the box. Now, you got Alshon out there one-on-one. You got Torrey Smith one-on-one. And that's you know, what happened, yep. That's, that's exactly what you want to develop. So definitely, by all means, I want to see this team run the football, whether it be inside, whether it be outside. I think it's really good to have that combo to where you could bring a Sproles in to run outside, you know, and work that. And Pumphrey, if, if he's there, and, you know, you could bang inside with Clement or, or, or LeGarrette Blunt and Smallwood just does everything. Right, and you that's know. the thing. And, and, you know, that's that's what people aren't understanding about Smallwood. He's the really the only true three-down back mm-hmm. the Eagles have. Everybody else is more suited to run a certain way. But he is a legitimate three-down back. He can run goal line. He can also run – uh, from 20 to 20. But he also has the ability to run on third down and catch it out the backfield. Exactly. And you need a guy like that in every down back that, that keeps the defense honest. And, you know, and that's the thing that's going to happen with a lot of these teams when you have Blunt in there. They won't be honest. They're going to put their run defense in there or they're going to keep an extra linebacker in there. And then when Sproles and Pumphrey come out, they're going to take that guy out and put a, put a, put a safety in there. Yeah, but with Smallwood, you can't. You don't have the autonomy to do that. You have to play legitimate on what the offense is giving you. You can't have a guy in and a, a defensive end playing linebacker. You know, just to have five guys on the defensive line. You have to make sure you take a take that guy out and put in a linebacker. You know, so it's pick your poison now. I don't know if they're gonna pass. I don't know if they're gonna run. And that's the that's the significant with having a guy like like Smallwood who can run all the plays in the playbook. Right, and we talked last week about the tight ends and how that allows them to give different looks. Exactly. But here's the thing with Smallwood, and I started to see that when he came back after the hamstring, they have a, a, a pony package. You might as well, you could call it a donkey package, you know, because you right. you got Smallwood and, Spro, uh, and Sproles. And I saw a couple times they went empty, and they had those two in the slot. And when you do that, what do you do now? Now you have to take a linebacker to cover Smallwood. And I got my money with Smallwood all day. People forget he he was a legitimate pass catcher at, yes. at West Virginia. Yes. But the thing with Smallwood that 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 I like that is going unrecognized is his improvements in pass protection. Yes, that's yes. an area. So it, it goes back to him truly being a three down back. He's gotten better. He came into the league already a, a running back as far as running the football. He came into the league with with. The ability to move in the slot and just be a natural hands catcher and catch the ball out of the backfield. The one thing that he really, well, in addition to being healthy, yeah. <laughs> the one thing that he had to work on is, is that pass process. So to see him work on that and, and improve that, I think Smallwood is in for a really good year with this team, and he just has to stay healthy. I like what Deuce Daly, he, he called him a small car. He's like a small car with a big engine. There's <laughs> yeah. always something going wrong and or he's overheating. And that's you want to see this guy stay healthy. So that's pretty much what we'll look at with the running backs. Have to go back and look at some of the other things from yesterday's game. And I think first and foremost, we have to look at Ronald Darby. Now, he gave up two plays. He was called for pass interference on another one. You look at the 72-yarder. I don't necessarily – you can't give up that play. I'll say that. But it's a 50-50 ball. It looked like he mistimed his jump a little bit That's at the exactly end. That's exactly what happened. 
But, I mean, do you really, really fault him and, and say, hey, look, this is a problem. Teams Absolutely. are going to do that. Well, I mean, that's the only knock that you can have on a guy like Darby. He's a great athlete. He can, you know, he he turned around, he played the ball, he looked at the ball. That's the big thing. Our corners for the last couple of years haven't turned around to look the mm-hmm. ball, to be in a position to go out there and contest the ball, number one. But he was there to make the play. It's just he had a guy that was bigger than him, six foot three receiver, that just out jumped him and caught it at his highest point and didn't bring it down in front of him. Right. Now he's a guy that's gonna fight you the whole way down. Yes. Yeah. But he just missed time to jump. And I'm not, you know, I'm not all getting all, you know, my feathers in a, you know, in a, in a bunch now because, you know, he gave up two big plays. Right. He's an aggressive corner. And if you watch that play, if you look at it, he turned around, he peaked in the backfield before he got up. But he and that's and, and, and that's probably one of his biggest problems. He's got two problems. Number one, he's just a shorter guy. So the, the big guys are, you know, gonna go up and try to catch it over. That's number one. Number two, he might be a little overly aggressive. Mm. He trusts his speed. That's what it is. He just trusts his speed so much. And that's probably one of his biggest downfalls because he trusts his speed. He'll take chances when he shouldn't because he knows that he can go back and 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 and, and recover from it because he's so fast and because he's such a good athlete. So that's the only two knocks you have on him. Yeah. I'll take his aggressiveness all day. I'll take it all day. I will because I think them horses up front – won't allow them to throw passes like that down the field. Yeah, it, and that's what it is. It's a gift and a curse, yeah, you know. Exactly. And I, I'm so glad you mentioned. And these are some of the details because again, this is called the Next Level Podcast. No question. So these are some of the details that no one else is telling you. If you look at that play, that was something. And, and you have to remember, the guy on the other side of the ball gets paid to play yes, too. Yes, he does. And and the guy on the other side of the ball in this case is a first round draft pick, one of the best receivers when he came up. So when he caught the ball, as you mentioned, he didn't bring it down in front of him. He brought it down away. And Darby is the type of corner, as you mentioned, he fights all the way through the top, right? What goes up must come down. That's his mentality. So as it's coming down, he's trying to punch that thing out to cause an incompletion or in some cases the fumble. And it was just a good play by Parker. I mean, what can you say? There are going to be times where guys make a good play. Yes, yes. The other play – uh, that he gave up, I believe it was a 17-yard catch by Jarvis Landry. Now, a better throw by Jay Cutler, and that thing is is an even longer gain. But, it again, it goes back to his aggressiveness, and, and this is something that you mentioned the first show after he was traded for, the Asante Samuel one. Yep, yep. You live by the gun, you die by the gun. Exactly. Now, the thing that was different about Samuel – is he gets his hands on the ball, he's catching it. Right. That's an out. area that Darby's still working <laughs> on. But the thing is, like I said, you live by it, you die by it. That aggressiveness, the ability to jump routes, teams are gonna uh, they know that and they're gonna they're gonna use it to double move to, to yeah. their advantage. The double move, and that's all you had. But again, it goes back to his ability to recover. He came back and he made the tackle. Like I said, fortunately Cutler didn't get too much on the ball. Now, the the one that I want to talk about, well, there's two because he almost had a pick in that game too, but yeah, it, it, it hit him between the three and the five. But I, I love receivers, I that's mean corners that jump corner. slant. That's why he's yeah. a corner. That's yeah. why he's not a receiver. He might have been a receiver <laughs> if he could catch, but he's a corner. He's, yeah, he, he had they had a son. Look, you're good at batting the ball down, so we're going <laughs> to put you at corner. <laughs> People understand that. The only, all DBs 
<laughs> or receivers that can't catch. They want to be receivers. That's that's, a, and I understand why you guys hate hate us as receivers. You know because we're what you want to be. But hey, look, sometimes it works out that way. You guys get paid better money, so you no know question. that's that's the better thing. But that that uh, pass interference call. You mentioned how he trusts his speed, and that's that's exactly what what happened. You know, he he was beat. He he understood it was a that, move, that he yeah. could, yeah, a double move. He he jumped on it. He was beat, but he took that risk knowing that he could recuperate. Recuperate. And Kenny Stills isn't a slow cat. No, he's not. You know, and to be able to close like that, and you know, the 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 pass from Cutler, uh, he was able to to get a hand on it. I, if he could only have been able to use a little bit less of that 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 right arm, that would have been an outstanding play. Outstanding play, and, and that's it. He got beat on a double. Let's let's let's, let's put this in perspective. You know, let's not downplay this. He got beat legitly on a double move. Mm-hmm. He trusts speed so much that he's able to recuperate and still get back before the ball gets there and makes the play before the ball gets there. But it just happens to be he he, he hooks him with his arm and 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 interferes with him catching the ball. But we're talking about Kenny Stills, who can fly. Yeah, he can fly. And he was able to go back and make the play. We don't have, we didn't have corners like that. We haven't had corners like that since when? Ten years? Ten years now? Been a while. Lito. Lito you know. Shepard. He was the last one. Yeah. That could really recuperate like that, and still get back to make a play. That have been six all day the past couple of years. All day. Yep. Easy. I'm talking about the only thing stopping them is is, is the. Uh, <laughs> The border right there, you right, know, where right. the stands start, you know. So that's a good point. You know, so, so I mean, it's, it's now Swartz has the ability to run defenses he couldn't necessarily run yep. before. If you look at it, he trusts Darby so much that he was blitzing a lot more against Buffalo. Mm-hmm. If you look at this game, he trusts the pass rush and the ability to sit him out there on an island by himself. And you can tell the trust also in his teammates because on both plays, Malcolm Jenkins was getting there late because he knew or he felt that this kid could make the play. So he yeah. didn't really worry about him. So he, did, he took his time about getting over there. He'll learn, you know, and Malcolm will be like, all right, well, you know, I got to help him just a little more until he gets, you know, the full gist of how to run this defense. And then I'll let him alone like I did before. But, you know, once he learns the defense and he has it down pat, and understands what's going on. Like on that on, on, on the long play, it was actually cover two. In the cover two, Malcolm should have been over the top on mm-hmm. And once, you know, he once the vertical route went in cover two, he's supposed to latch on to that receivers. So if he'd have latched on to him earlier, maybe he'd have thrown off his his timing a little bit right. by slapping the ball. So just turn around and run with the guy instead of, you know, playing the ball inside out. He should just turn around and play the man and then turn around and play the ball. But instead he turned his hips and played it inside with the receiver behind him, just kind of figuring where he is and then, you know, going to make a play. He's probably the only guy that can do that right now, has the speed to do that. But he'll learn as he develops and, and, and becomes more instinctual in the defense once he learns the defense, you know, and, and, and then the defense learns him. Malcolm learns him. Right. understands the where feel. he needs to be. Yeah. And that just comes with guys playing together, you mm-hmm. know, which is another topic, you know, we need to talk about. How about – Doug Peterson taking guys out so early. I don't. What I don't get that. that? I, and that was a good ninety-three yard drive that they had. Me personally, I would have went right back 
Yes. With that up tempo offense, and let's let's see what more we could do. You know what I mean? It's this is this is your last time getting a look. This is the last dress rehearsal. The starters will not play against the Jets. Correct. So, in saying that, that means the offensive line only had what they had seventeen plays this last game. The starters, seventeen plays to play as a as a, a unit, full unit. Yep. You know the starters on the offensive line, and that's mean that means seventeen plays that Carson can get a feel with his starters in game-type situation before they go up the road, down the road, to D.C. Yeah. So I, I don't think personally that's enough time. And I counted, you know, I may be wrong, you know, but I know I'm around this range. But Carson has only taken 17 reps this entire preseason. Is that enough to get build a foundation with your, with your, with your receivers in game-type situation? With your offensive line. See, it's not just receivers and getting the timing with receivers, but it's also timing with your offensive line. Yep. Understanding their calls, where they're going to push to, how they're going to block certain defensive fronts. Um, who, Where can he rely on, you know, the most pressure from? Is he going to get more pressure from the right side or the left side? Can he lean a little bit? You know, quarterbacks lean towards where they feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Is he going to lean towards the rookie, I mean, uh, the second-year guy, say Amalo, because he has Jason Peters there, or was he go to the veteran side with – with Brooks and Johnson, you know, those are all things that gets felt, and you only get those feelings when you play with guys, and I don't think they have enough time in game-time team-like situations to really have that camaraderie, that cohesiveness. And, I I mean, I think it's a problem, but what do I know? I'm just a guy that played football 12 years and won a Super Bowl. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I I don't think so, but it's it's a new age. New football is new age. And I think in addition to that, just the movement, you you know, you mentioned how how Carson needs to know – you know where he could kind of go in the pocket, but th- these guys also up front they need to know where he's going to go. Right, different right, quarterbacks right. slide different different directions, you know, and and move within the pocket a little bit differently. So they need to know where they could kind of redirect the guys up front once the play breaks down, and that's something that they continue to work on. But you can only work on that so much. Not in game situations, right? You can exactly. only watch film together so much. Exactly. Not in game situations. But when everything's live, that's when you really get it. Because when it's live, you're just reacting, right? You're 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 in practice. That's a a, a manufactured situation, right? Exactly. You when, know the players are playing against too, right? And then when you're on when you're watching film, you know you have the second. You're not right there in, in the heat of the battle. You have okay. You know what? Yeah, I probably should have slid this way. And if I slid this, so on and so forth. So. For me, when I look at game reps, it's just they're irreplaceable, especially exactly. up front. And yep. that's why week one I said they needed to run the ball more than 16 times. That's why in this case I, I think they they need to – they should have played at least through the, the second quarter, at exactly. the very least. At the very exactly. least they should and, have and played. And Doug said that. Yeah. Doug said that they should have played a little more. Um, that, that They were going to play a little – he said last week they were going to play a little more. Right. And he said, you know, probably two quarters – and probably a series into the third quarter. Right. And that's the status quo with most guys. Exactly. But beginning of the second to stop, you know, I just I just I see it. Because as an offensive lineman, when you're practicing, you're not finishing when you're playing against your team. Thank you. You're not taking that extra two steps to finish a play. So how do you know you're going to finish a play when you just, you know, just almost like, all right, one, two, cha-cha-cha when you practice against your boys, when you practice against your teammates. When you're out there, real bullets flying, is one, two, then it's another two, then it might be another two or three to finish the play. Mm-hmm. And you can't teach yourself to finish if you're not finishing um, 
you know, as, as instinctually as you would if you took more reps in the game. And that's just that's just my personal point of view, you know. And, you know, I, I played the game a little bit. I understand what it is to get ready for a game. And I don't know. I mean, a guy like Jason Peters, I think he'll be fine. I think Lane will be fine. But, you know, a guy like Sayo Malo still has to learn. Yep. He still has to learn. He has to learn, you know, what to do on certain defenses, you know. Lane and, and, and Brooks are still ironing out, you know, calls and when they could take a, an extra step here, an extra step there to help each other out. Sayamalo's still learning how to play with, you know, the, the future Hall of Famer, Jason Peters. You know, those are all things that get worked out with game-type experience. You know, I mean, how far does Kelsey has to help the, the young guy in Sayamalo as opposed to going and helping Brooks? Those are all things you have to work out in a game-type situation as opposed to practice, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we talking about practice, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, you know, we were supposed to be here Thursday and Tuesday. We couldn't make it on Tuesday, but we're making sure we get it in. That's right. Bleeding Green Nation. You we make it. sure. There's a, that's that's what we, we do. We come back on a Friday on my day off to come check you guys out and give you the next level, the next level podcast. And, you know, another thing I want to just touch on really quick in, in talking to Carson, he said that some of the pressure and some of the sacks that he's taken were on him, and he wanted to get rid of He needs to get rid of the ball a little bit sooner. So that's yet another thing that they need to be able to have been able to work on a little bit more last night. But, hey, it didn't happen. We'll see what happens uh, week one, you know, September 10th. But I tell you what, they're going to have to bring a much better effort going against those guys right. up front. You know, what they have, Ryan Kerrigan, we saw what he did to to the Eagles the last time uh, they went down to <laughs> to my big, big V is still seeing him in his sleep probably, you know, and Carson too, for that put, matter. Yeah, put, you know, open a can of whoop ass a little bit, you know. So, But, I mean, that just comes with you bumps of bruising of being a young guy out there playing against grown men, you know. Right, right. Against, you know, a, a really good pass rusher, so. He'll learn, you know, he's going to learn today if he didn't. <laughs> Two things before we wrap it up. I, I want to give shout-outs to a couple guys. Uh, first and foremost, Michael Kendricks is playing like a man possessed. It's It goes back to, to what we said earlier when we were talking about the running backs and, and using them to, to their skill sets, putting them in the best situations. You're seeing him blitz. And it's just some guys, when they're allowed to do certain things, they just come alive, and you see him coming off the edge. You see him blitzing the interior. He's just found a way to always be around the football now, too. You Two interceptions, the the pick six yesterday. So Yeah, he's playing like, all right, you guys want to talk about me? Well, I'm going to give you something to talk about. And I think the biggest difference in his game is his mental mm-hmm. knowledge of the game. You know, now I see him in practice telling starters like Hicks, hey, Hicks, if you'd have played it here, you'd probably had a better chance of doing it. I didn't see that before for him. Right. Well, they had right. to tell him. Right, exactly. Well, now I see him take command of that defense and understand where he's supposed to be. Him and Najee Good are going back and forth on who's the better backup in the nickel situation. Yeah. And he's definitely making and vying for some, some playing time and doing it because he's now coaching. All right, you should have dropped back a little further or you should have just one or two more steps and you to undercut the route as opposed to going over the top of you. Those are all things I didn't see from before. But I tell you, Michael Kendrick stepped up and learned that defense the way it was supposed to be learned, and now he's more fluid in what he's supposed to do out there. It goes back to what we said about so many guys that are settling in. 
the more comfortable you get with it, the better you play. And Kendricks is showing that three interceptions on the year, almost or on the preseason, almost had a sack strip. Cutler, the savvy veteran, was able to to get away with yeah. the intentional grounding. At the so, back's feet. Yep. Yeah, so you have to give uh, Kendricks a shout out. But the other guy I want to shout out is is, is Jalen Watkins, and. I wanted him. He was on cutting blocks with me, man. But he showed he can still. Yeah, it, and and it goes back to that versatility thing. Yep. He showed. Now he's he's working with the second unit at left corner. And the thing that that was really interesting to me, he his interception that he had in the game is the exact same interception he had on Tuesday in practice. The exact same situation, <laughs> you know. And he picked it off and he ran out of gas at, at the end. But at least he was able to return at midfield. But it's good to see a guy willing to. Make that adjustment, understanding where things are falling at safety. He's still in the mix at safety, but he just increased his stock by moving back to corner and showing that he could play both. So that's a good thing for Definitely for a good thing. He did that in uh, Florida, University of Florida. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, this, this, it goes back to, you know, the more you can do. This is an unforgiving league. What have you done for me lately is said all the time. I keep telling these young guys when I do talk to them, five minutes after you sign, the ink's not even dry yet. They're they trying to find somebody bigger, yep. stronger, faster, and, and cheaper. And the most at the most cheaper than you are. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. And it just goes back. That's the Corey Graham factor, man. I was talking about it last night. Corey Graham came in and made life hard for a lot of people. Yes, Chris Marigos, CJ Smith, Watkins, T. Brooks still playing in the fourth quarter. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of guys who who he bringing it to you soon. know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So all right, folks, that's the show. Definitely. And you know what? I'm disappointed in you guys, by the way. You didn't do any clippets and, and, and send us clippets. So our sponsor, Clippit, make sure you, you use the app. It's available on the Apple Store, the um, Google Play Store as well. So make sure you, you download that if you don't have it. It allows you to edit live TV, and you could go ahead and, and put a, a snippet on social media. Be sure to do that. Put it to at T Davenport underscore NFL at B Brooks 72 CSN. That's the show, folks. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll be back on Tuesday with another edition of the Next Level Podcast as we continue to bring you to the upper room. We're out of here, folks. <laughs>